It's uh, always a privilege to meet as God's people, to worship together, to bring uh, glory and praise to his name, to be aware of the privilege that we have of meeting freely and as his people to uh, encourage one another in the journey that we're on. And as we begin, uh, does this look familiar? Does anybody recognize this place? Yes? Where, what's that? Oh, Godridge. All right. Founded in 1827. Did you know that? So, Godridge founded in 1827. Now, what about this place? You know this place? You recognize it? No? You don't recognize it. Could this be Godridge or Auburn in 1660? Yeah, it could be. You see? And uh, we sometimes forget that the things that we take for granted were not here not that long ago. So while we're meeting here, something unusual is happening outside. All right? Use your imaginations, please. And <clears throat> all the roads that you traveled on are gone. So, Calvin, how are you going to get here? Going to walk. Do you know which direction to walk? Probably get lost a few times. And how about if you are going back to Godridge, assuming Godridge is still there. All right. What's that going to be like? How are you going to get across the river? Oh, might not be so easy. And what I want to explore this morning with you is this matter of a pathfinder for life of negotiating life. John 14 is exactly about that. The way. The way. The way to our final destination. And we'll talk about what the nature of that destination is. Now, does anybody recognize that red book, Pirates and Pathfinders? Yes, from Social Studies. That was a wonderful book. And, of course, all the great explorations of Pathfinders from Europe, because it has a European focus, and uh, Marco Polo, who found the road to Cathay, which is China, or Christopher Columbus, who found the New World, or those who circumnavigated the globe, like Vasco da Gama, or how about the South Seas, James Cook? Actually, so many of these things actually relate to the country of Canada. And, of course, David Livingston, great missionary, who did so much to open the country of Africa, or the nation, or the continent of Africa, and to uh, resist the slave trade that was going on ruthlessly. The Northwest Passage... These days, not so hard. There isn't quite as much ice. And, of course, the North and South Poles. Now, Jesus is our pathfinder. That's what the scripture that we read, in effect, says. And 
Sometimes when we think about getting through life and we ask, where are we going? And that is a question. This is a question for everyone. Where are we going and how do we get there? And so God has answered it in the most remarkable way by sending His Son. And in the photo, if you can see it, there are daunting mountains, and there are rivers, and there's muskeg, and there are forests, and how are you going to make it if you don't have a pathfinder, a trailblazer, a guide? And so here, for example, is the Kicking Horse Pass, discovered by Captain John Palliser in 1858, and in 1884 it became the way in which the railroad, the CPR, made its way across the Rocky Mountains. Without this pass, this train would have stopped short, far short, of the West Coast. So, we need a pathfinder to show us the way. And don't worry if you can't make it cross-country. You know, sometimes when we're reading Scripture, I have a young friend. Young friend, he's almost 30. Does that make him young? You say yes, yes. I'm 23. Okay. Say yes, okay. <laughs> he gets worried about something when he doesn't understand the Scripture. And he reads about this thing that's sometimes called predestination, and he worries, if it's all predestined, then what choice do I have? I said, listen, there's some mysteries here, and you don't need to know and understand all those mysteries, because you see, we have a pathway through. I said, you're like a guy who's trying to make his way through the Rocky Mountains, and Instead of just taking the road that's already been established, you want to get up on the slopes, you want to look at the river that's raging below, and you say, I can't get through there, I can't get through there, so there can't be a way through. Well, guess what? Stay on the road, and you'll get through there. So I don't need to know every permutation, every square inch of the land between here and Goddard to make it to Goddard. What I do, I get on the road. And what I discover is, I get there. And I don't say, well, I don't know about all that's over here or over there. I just take the road. And so the Lord Jesus makes it very clear. He's the road. He's the way. And there's going to be lots of things in Scripture about life that we don't understand. Now, we're pretty proud about everything that we know. We think that as our information continues to grow and grow and grow, that somehow we are getting to know it all. Uh-uh-uh. Even with all we know, it is simply a minuscule thimbleful in comparison to all that there is to know. Even the greatest minds know so little. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, we need to listen to him because here is someone who's been there and back. And he tells us, this is the way. 
And so I hope this morning you're listening and that for those who've already said, yes, Jesus is my pathfinder, that you'll be encouraged to stay firm, not to be distracted by those who are calling you this way and that way, to follow this path, this path or another. Jesus is the way. Jesus did not say he knows the way or knows a way, which is a pretty popular uh, option in the thinking of people these days. He says he is the way. He is the way. And so it's about your relationship with Jesus. And this is really, really central to everything that we saying this morning. Jesus is the true way. There are many, many false ways. We know that. Now, it's, it's supposedly uh, the case that men don't like to ask for directions. Is that true? But I think it's also the case that women don't like to ask for directions. I don't dare tell any stories about my wife, because I'll be in trouble, because I told a story last time, and I think I got in trouble last time. Okay, but there are many false ways. In fact, uh, someone uh, asked the question, why is it a woman's voice that you hear on the GPS? Okay? Okay? See, if, if it were uh, a man's voice, it would say, hey, forget all those directions, I know a shortcut. <laughs> But let's understand that Jesus is the true way, morally, theologically, and practically. You know that we're living in a time when people say that everything is up for grabs as to what is right and wrong. The interesting thing is that the same folk who have been busy telling us that everything is up for grabs, once they have political control, they suddenly say, oh no, there really are goalposts. And we put the goalposts here, and if you don't honor that, then you are in trouble. I've asked uh, Laura to send out a couple of articles to you all, uh, because they really relate to this whole area of the goalposts that have been moved. And there are some pretty intense legal battles that are actually going on, praise God, for Christian lawyers and for organizations like EFC, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, that are actually striving to represent truth in the legal realm. Because as you know, in, for example, in the area of uh, gender identity, suddenly we are being told in a most confusing manner that when God created man, human beings as male and female, that that ain't right. And you know how confusing it is. And this is being propagated. And if you speak against this, you are being shut down. That's the direction. So there are some fairly intense uh, legal battles which are going on, which are attempting to preserve our right to simply hold our own opinions and to let truth be truth. Second article also has to do with uh, sexual identity and some of the claims that are being made. Very good article. 
which will, I think, help you in thinking through these things. Now, let's understand that, that when we say these things, we don't need to be afraid, because sometimes we respond out of fear, and we get awfully defensive, because there are good answers. And sometimes we get really angry, and we stop responding to others in a way that is redemptive. We can speak the truth without shouting at them, without condemning them, without in any way reducing our ability to be ambassadors for Christ. We have a message of reconciliation. They need Jesus as much as anyone else. And let's remember that this is not the unpardonable sin. Let's also understand that theologically, who God is and what he requires, we need to be clear on that. So when people say, well, why do you believe that? The Bible says, you know, that's not a very popular answer. But let me suggest to you a little different way of saying it and say, I am a follower of Jesus, and I'm following his teaching. And it's remarkable how people say, oh, okay, that might be okay. And you might actually have an opportunity to speak to them about the teaching of Jesus. Because there is a wholesomeness and an integrity to the teaching and the way that the Lord Jesus leads us. And then practically, I would not want to go through life without the reality of Jesus, who is the living way, the true way. I was at a funeral for uh, Tarina Rakoff, wife of Pastor Randall Rakoff, this week, or rather at the visitation. I wasn't able to get to the funeral. But Tarina's testimony was so crystal clear that despite years of dealing with cancer, she was secure. She brought a peace in her conversations so that you were blessed by visiting with her. And this is the nature of what God gives us. He gives us purpose and he gives us strength for living. Isn't that true? Yeah. We know that. We've been at funerals where there is no hope because there is no sense of the living God. But where there are those who have faith in the living God, who have put their trust in Jesus, there's such a difference. And then it has a practical application to how you and I live. Our priorities are different, right? Our intention is to serve Jesus by serving others, right? That's what we're about. We love him, and so we love others. Not because it's easy, not because it's natural, but because it is the way of life. And let's understand that Jesus is the living way. John 10, 9, there is the verse in the passage about the Good Shepherd where he says that he gives us abundant life. I've been on this journey since 1964. It's been a blast to live for Jesus. Anybody else think that? Yeah. It's been a blast. And sometimes he's taken me to the edge. And I said, Lord, I don't know if I can go there. And he says, go. And sometimes he gives me a little push. And somehow, even when I go over the edge, he catches me. Isn't that a remarkable thing? The nature of the life that we have. 
I can think of every good thing that I have in life. It is a gift from Jesus who is the giver of abundant life. Here and now, he is my good shepherd who walks with me through the pleasant times and in the most difficult times, through the valley of the shadow of death. He is also the giver of true life. And in John 17, we have a remarkable definition of the nature of eternal life. And it is not about somehow living in the clouds, playing in harps, wearing white robes. <sighs> I don't play harp. <laughs> what is it about? It's about relationship with the living God in a way that we scarce can imagine. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the message. And so... This is where we talk about where we're going. We are actually going home. And so Jesus says, in my house are, in my Father's house, in my Father's house are many rooms. And that may sound cold or abstract to you. And so think of, a, of an example in your life where you've experienced the reality of that kind of love, that coming home, and that will help you get there a little bit easier. You see, Jesus revealed something about the nature of the one God. Three persons, three persons, important, because God is love. You need to have plurality of persons to have relationships, to have loving relationships. So God reveals himself as intrinsically, inherently love. Not having love, but being love itself. Heaven is not a house, but it's a home. And our destination is to be in the Father's house. And praise God, there is room for us all! And so that's why we have missionaries in Mongolia and every other country under the sun. Because there is room for us all. And it's a wonderful thing to see how when God's people meet one another, there is that soul relationship that is so precious and so real. doesn't matter what nation you're from. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will bring you home. That does so much for me. In my Father's house, so here's a, a little picture of family, all right? And you'll see my grandson, William, who is four today. And he was over visiting with us Friday and Saturday. And I did lunch with him. And so lunch with William looks like this. There are hundreds of little creatures, figures. There's crocodiles and hippos and rhinos and tigers and, and dogs and cats and snakes and reptiles and a dinosaur thrown in just for good measure all over the table. And there's his little plate with his jam and toast. And so then Pop-Pop, that's me, comes along 
And I've made bacon and eggs for lunch. Sounds okay. And so, of course, he's got to share in my bacon. And you see, that's about coming home, isn't it? About that kind of intimacy. Being safe, being secure, being in the embrace of those that you love. And there's little Hannah. She's about a year and a half now. And then there's Karima, who has been embraced by our family. And she has found a home with us. And so, <clears throat> we're reminded of, of this. Uh, where, where is my slide there? No, it's not there. Okay, go back there. I'm, I, I don't have a slide of this. I have a reference to it, though. And this is a little picture of heaven that we have in Revelation chapter 21. Not heaven so much as the new reality that is our destination, because it's more than heaven. And so in verse, uh, chapter uh, 21 of Revelation, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Up to now, we're not, not probably relating really strongly to, to this imagery. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The intimacy of a living relationship with the living and loving God. And then he says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Aren't you looking forward to that day? We live in a veil of tears. All of us. Every family has been touched with tears, with sorrow. There will be no more death. Praise God. No more death. Or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, and that he's gone to prepare a place for us, and that he will take us back to be with him. This is what he's talking about. The intimacy of a living, loving relationship in a way that we can scarce imagine. So think of the very best experiences you've had of gathering with people, of gathering with family. You know, we had a great time after service last Sunday, and wasn't that a time? I actually thought maybe I'd show Parade of Pictures because I did take some, some pictures of that last Sunday. Beautiful. But we all have those stories which speak powerfully to us. I'm thinking of little William sitting at the table with me, feeling so happy, so comfortable, so safe, enjoying life, simply sitting there having his lunch with all his strange creatures and pop-up. Now you see, Jesus is the living way. Sometimes in uh, reflecting on this, we just haven't taken proper stock of where we are. 
Now, I borrowed uh, Pastor Ernest's uh, combination lock here. And some of you will be using these kinds of things uh, in the next uh, little while. And uh, I remember a lock like this. Ernest, this is apparently from your school days. Amazing. So, so what am I bid for this antique? <laughs> okay. Oh, you're not that old. Oh, sorry. Okay. But uh, you probably experienced the frustration of turning it two times one way and stopping at the number, turning it back the other way, and then a third way, and getting it wrong, right? The frustration of getting all the little tumblers working in the right order. And these days we have a modern analogy to that, and that's passwords. How many passwords do you have? Uh, I was counting, I have one password that's 25 characters long, okay? So, and sometimes I am standing uh, in front of a machine, and I'm trying to figure out, which password is this one? You ever been there? Yeah, okay. And so, we experience those kinds of frustrations because we don't have everything in order. But let me tell you, we have a guide, we have a pathfinder, we have a trailblazer who has actually put everything in order. And you're not going to get incorrect password. And after three times, they shut you out. Call the bank and maybe we'll let you back in. Have you had that kind of experience? <laughs> so let's get rid of the frustration that comes from being too proud and thinking that we're actually sorting things out ourselves. The reality isn't the, that case at all. You're listening to somebody's voice. You're taking somebody's advice. When, we, when I was in grade school, we, we had a grade 8 uh, yearbook. And somebody had come up with all the, uh, these uh, funny little things, you know. Uh, and one of them was... Uh, What's a self-made man? Horrible example of unskilled labor. <laughs> so, you can, you can quibble with me about that, but the point is this, that when it comes to knowing the pathway, there's only one who knows the pathway, who is the pathway. And all our attempts to jerry-rig it ourselves will not get us there we will be frustrated because the tumblers will not fall into line. And so, Jesus is in fact the only way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that's a pretty arrogant claim, don't you think? So those who say, well, Jesus was a great teacher, what well, are you listening to what Jesus said? Because if he's a great teacher, pay attention. And you need to decide, is this true or is this not? Now, there were uh, those who first carried the gospel message. So we have Peter who is saying to the Sanhedrin, who have said, stop teaching and preaching about Jesus. And Peter says, well, you decide as to whether it's more important that we should 
listen to the voice of people or to the voice of God. And then he says that there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. How many ways are there? One. One. There may be many paths, but if they don't lead to the one door, it ain't working. We have a pathfinder like no other who has laid down his life for us. Who else has been willing to do that? Who has opened a new and living way? And so we have a part in this. Some of us are not living as well in this wonderful path as others are. And it's got a lot to do with whether or not we choose to actually apply some biblical truths as they are here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. And you'll see that here, the writer says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author or pathfinder, because it can be translated pathfinder, and perfecter of our faith. That is, the beginning and the end. He finishes what he starts. I grew up in a house that was never finished, because my dad was a great starter, but not a great finisher. And uh, sometimes we live our lives like that. But let's understand that what Jesus began, he finished, and he is faithful to take us through. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, what are the points? Here they are, really simply. Keep your eye fixed on the pathfinder. When do we get into trouble? When do we get into squabbles? When we take our eye off Jesus. When do we begin to sink? When we look at the troubled sea instead of keeping our eye fixed on Jesus. Secondly, get rid of the stuff that isn't helping. Both good stuff and bad stuff. Sin. The good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff in our lives, a lot of good stuff that we can do, but it is not going to really help us on the journey. We've got to prioritize. We can't do everything, right? So decide how you're prioritizing in what you spend your time on, your talents on, and your treasure. Really simple advice. Does this sound old school to you? It should, because it's not new truth but we need to be reminded. Look at what's in that backpack that you're carrying, because we're all carrying backpacks. What's the stuff that we're in there, that's in there? I tend to be a guy who likes to carry a lot of extra things in my backpack, but let me tell you, if I am on a trek, I'm going to figure out how to dump all the stuff that is really just dead weight. And you see our Pathfinder is saying, get that stuff out because it's going to, Hold you back. It's going to hold you down. And keep short accounts. This is about dealing with sin. And do I need to enumerate sin? You know what your besetting sin is. And stay in training. Read his word. Talk with him. Serve him by serving others. Stay connected with others who are on the same journey. That's why we're here today, right? Because we are all on this same journey. Stay in the way of Jesus. 
And by the way, I'm going to encourage you to take the opportunity for the three sessions that we're doing Friday and Saturday uh, over the, the fall months. Please look at the, the sign-up and take advantage of that. I'm really glad that one of the small groups is focusing on this, but this really will help you on your journey. So you decide. Here we're coming to the end. Who is your guide? Who is your pathfinder? Ask this. Who are you actually following? And be honest. And what is your destination? Have you decided that your destination is indeed heaven, eternal life, a relationship that is like no other with the living God? And what makes life worth living here? I can tell you that I've been serving Jesus in 64, and there is no life like it. Students and parents, you have students who are going back to school. And we need to be realistic that we are living in a time when our larger culture is not particularly caring and not particularly sensitive to Christian values and Christian perspectives. And so it's not a case that what they are doing is keeping religion out of schools, but let's understand that everybody actually has a religious worldview. They believe things, and those things are being taught. Some of these things line up with the things that we who follow Jesus also agree with. Other things do not. And so let's be wise. And let's recognize that those who say, oh, we know, we know, we know, actually know relatively little. There's only one who knows and really knows. And so we have this verse from Revelation in which the risen Christ says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the author and the finisher, the Alpha and Omega. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. The, our pathfinder has been there and back, and is taking us forward. Shall we not follow him? Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for making a new and living way. And we know that it was not cheap for you to blaze this trail. It is a trail that cost you your life. And we're thankful, O oh Lord, that you didn't simply make the way and then abandon us, but that you lead us every step of the way. And sometimes, O oh Lord, when we're distracted or we don't understand, Teach us, O oh Lord, to simply focus on you once again. And we know that this has implications for how we live, what we believe is right and wrong. It has implications on what we believe about God and the nature of God. And it has immense implications on the reality of your comforting presence by your Spirit. And so we pray as your people that you'll be pleased to track to help us to track truly in the way of Jesus, keeping our eye fixed on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so, Lord, we want to declare that uh, we can scarce imagine how beautiful it will be to finally be caught up into your presence and there to enjoy that uh, sense of coming home in a way that is simply only glimpsed at in our days here in the flesh. Bless your people, O Lord, and be pleased to speak to us and to make us obedience to your call to follow hard after you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you for that bold and clear declaration. Amen.